IntelliKey Leadership Stories, the podcast for conscious leaders. We share the lessons learned from global leaders making an impact for their organizations, stakeholders, and investors. For people, community, and environment, we get inspired by their experiences, attitudes, and practices. Here are your hosts for IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories, the podcast for conscious leaders. All over the world, Mark, and in all different industries, facets, and jobs that they hold, leaders that are revolutionizing where we're going. That's what our podcast is all about. And today we have a guest who's going to talk about passion for helping others, founding companies and gathering and building teams of serial innovators and how to motivate those creators, but also how to support them and their creation and their innovation. Just so glad to have today, John Saunders. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. John's the author of a great new book called The Optimizer. He's the founder and principal of Forward Advisory Solutions in the Washington, D.C. area. And his background also includes investment firms and advising capital holding companies, all sorts of Wall Street kind of experience. And John, that's where we want to start. Is the state of Wall Street thinking about conscious leadership? Does making money and doing good for the world, can they coexist? I think they're coming along, but they're coming in fighting and screaming. It would be maybe a fair way to say it. You know, uh, Wall Street has long been dominated by, you know, a particular demographic, if you will. And this mindset maybe hasn't been embraced there as much as it could be yet. You know, the firm I worked at for many years, we launched one of the very first ESG ETFs six or seven years ago. And we first started taking that to clients. And honestly, they, they were met with a fair amount of resistance. My clients just want to make money. They don't care about this stuff. Fast forward to 2021. I think that that has changed radically, but it's it's happened pretty slowly. John was introduced to us by one of our previous guests, Len Yap, who wrote a great book called The Altruistic Capitalist. And John, I, I think that that clash of words, I mean, we teased with Len, but even as you're describing it, can one be an altruistic capitalist? I think it can happen. And I think there's a lot of ways to get it done, but I, I think the, um, what's really going to pull the, uh, what's already happening to, to Wall Street is the clients are reacting. And so, mm -hmm. and saying, hey, if you aren't going to do this or support the initiatives I really care about, I'm going to take my money to the bank down the street or whatever the case may be. So I think it can happen. Uh, I think it's going to happen more reactively from the Wall Street crowd if I had to bet money on it. And, uh, but I think it very much can happen. Doing good and helping others doesn't have to be a zero sum game or something that just takes away from profits. In fact, I would argue it inspires and empowers people to go on and do bigger and better things. Mm -hmm. And on that note of empowering people, you know, let's turn inside the companies. We've been talking about the investors for a moment, but the, the employees, the stakeholders inside who say, no, we, we must be more environmentally conscious. We must have sustainability in the forefront, you know, good governance of our companies, these ESG principles. How, how is it being driven from the inside out from your point of view? More and more employees want, don't want to have their work life and their personal life be completely different. Why do I have to live one set of values to walk into the doors of this building and live another set of values that I maybe believe in more so when I go home at night? And I think we're, that's happening in a number of aspects of the business world. And as companies evolve, they're starting to recognize this more and more, and they're not going to attract the people they want to their organization uh, if they don't find a way to blend these principles or, or, or meet them in the middle, mm -hmm. so, at least in the middle somewhere. 
And as you were profiling some of these principles in your book, The Optimizer, what were some of the lessons that struck you? In, in terms of helping and empowering people? Mm -hmm. First of all, you, you've got to set structure. As funny as that sounds, innovation, oftentimes, if you give someone a blank piece of paper, Mark, and you say, hey, draw something, where the heck do I begin? But if you sit down with them and collaborate with them and agree that, hey, let's draw a tree as an example, or a car, whatever it might be, this is where innovation can begin. And this is obviously a very simple example, but I think it can be applied in many circumstances. So creating structure, creating guideposts for people, but having a collaborative uh, agreement to set those guideposts, I think is really important. People want to have ownership. They want to be part of the leadership structure. And it's not hard to let people lead. And I think many times as leaders, we think, well, it's my meeting. It's my conference call. I have to dominate because I'm in charge here. I would argue there's so much more power in letting your team members lead. Figure out what it is that they like to do, what they're passionate about, and give them the stage to share that with others. Not only is it going to empower them and make them feel better about what it is they're doing, but it creates leverage, right? If this person likes to do that or study this topic, whatever it might be, and is an expert in it, let them take the lead on it and not have everyone else do all the research, right? And ownership, right? People want to be part of the journey. They want to have a say, a voice in it. And many times they have great ideas. Don't let those hide. And lastly, you really need to empower uh, an environment of lifelong learning. And that starts from the top. If you're not doing it yourself, it's pretty hard to go to your employees and say, hey, Mark, you should do some learning. Go get a grad degree, go to designation. If you're not doing it, right, that all these things start from the top. You're describing an interesting balance though, John, between ownership, letting them lead, letting them have a voice and giving them a blank sheet of paper. Like, well, just do anything you want. I mean, after all, we are trying to lead and build a company. The key element to this story is one, having some set of loose structure that's based upon your principles and values, right? And so presumably those been, have been established already, certainly in a collaborative mission. One of my favorite stories from the book, I got the great chance to interview the co-founder of The Motley Fool. And you want to talk about this idea in, in a, such a succinct and simple and powerful way. Their mission statement is make the world happier, smarter, richer. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so any, and they drive innovation constantly and challenge everyone in the company to let's do it better. But they always ask the question, is it going to meet our mission statement? And if the answer is no, they move on. So having those principles, having those core values is incredibly important to help set that structure and let people know where the, the, the guideposts are, if you will. Mm -hmm. And there's a theme about serial innovation, you know, that, that this is replicable either person to person or organization to organization, certainly team to team. How can this be replicated and repeated as a formula? Sure. As a leader, I believe the best role you can take on is not be a manager or a boss or even a leader, but a trusted advisor. When your team members come to you and say, hey, Mark, I've got this problem with this. One of the things I encourage clients to do, and I certainly did on Wall Street, is honestly, I try to never answer questions for people. <laughs> or I try to answer them with a question. There's a sticky note sitting on my computer screen right now that's been there for probably 10 years that says, what, how, why? Mm -hmm. So someone comes to me with a problem. Hey, I can't figure this out. I've, I can't seem to get this solved with my client. I can't get them over the edge. I started asking them what, how, why questions. And what I found through that is many times you can lead them to the answer that you might've given them anyway. But if they say it first, there's ownership there, there's accountability, self-accountability, and they can run with it. And also through those conversations, to your point about replicating this concept, if you can help them identify where they need to do the most work and they say it out loud first because you've asked them questions to get there, same idea happens. It happens with innovation. It happens with them creating self-development or uh, driving self-development. But I think it all starts with helping, empowering them to find that themselves rather than you saying, 
hey, Mark, you're not really good at this. So let's spend some time working on that, right? <laughs> Very different <laughs> circumstance. And if you can challenge them- Have you find... been in, in some of my performance reviews? <laughs> <laughs> Why but, do you keep wanting to change me? <laughs> <laughs> but it, I mean, honestly, the real magic here is if you can get them to self-identify, gosh, I need to work on this. And of course, mm -hmm. it's aligned with mission of the company, the guidepost inside the guidepost. If they can say it first, if they can own it, then you just act as their coach, have check-ins with them every week or two to see how they're doing with it, to see how it's evolving. And as they figure these things out, whatever it might be, if you're in sales or marketing or whatever department you're in, you then take that, that insight they've gained and have them share it with the team. This is part of letting them lead. And now everyone else in the team can say, wow, they've been working on this thing for three months. They get to go from day zero to day 90 like that, as opposed to everybody trying to do it. So find what they're excited about, they're passionate about, challenge them in a thoughtful way to adopt it and coach them through getting that, evolving that process and making sure it works along the way and then have them share it with others. And that moment right there, you know, the original subtitle of my book was called Lifting the Curve because as you go through this process I'm describing, everybody raises up together and it's, it's a really powerful exercise. And it, it started out for me as a push, hey, let's do this. And it turned into a pull. As people embrace this moment, they began pulling each other along, which now you're just sort of keeping it on the highway as opposed to having to guide it, which was really powerful and, and is a lot of fun when you get it going. And you've described this as a mindset, you know, and for some people making the change, it's a mindset shift. Kirsten and I often observe that leaders in an organization, and we're not talking about the org chart leaders, we're saying the leaders, you know, in an organization are often also leaders in nonprofit groups or causes outside of work. And you were talking about this balance that or this full life that people want, but yeah, they might be a part of their government, but they might be a part of a, you know, investment group or something, a club outside of work. Are you seeing these leadership mindsets permeate into all areas of a good leader's life? I'll say I can speak for myself, maybe initially on that, I would say, absolutely. I mean, I, I've sat on a number of advisory boards. I've done a lot of work in mentoring people, and I've just found immense benefit from that. Uh, honestly, for myself and, and, you know, giving that time, giving that energy to a mentee or an advisory board in particular, because they need help and they need people who can sort of put some thoughts together and help, help grow and, and think differently. And many times they have a great mission. So it's really, I think it's very uh, empowering for all of us to be a part of those types of organizations. But I think to be a well-rounded person, to gain greater insight, I think it's really a good thing to do. Uh, the opening story of my book is about getting completely outside of Wall Street and doing some volunteer work. And it honestly changed the, tra the trajectory of my career in a good way. And I was going to ask you, and Kirsten and I often pursue this with many guests, but uh, was there that moment for you in your career and your development that we, we sometimes call it a fork in the road? It's like, hey, I could have gone the hard driving, command and control managerial style, or I could take a more enlightened, maybe a more uh, person oriented approach. Was that a moment for you? There have been several and probably the more recent one go when I first moved into leadership, I guess seven or eight years ago. Now, somebody came to me, I, I you know, I was as an individual contributor, as a sales guy, I was always, you know, running hundred miles an hour, constantly trying to improve. And when I moved into management, one of my mentors gave me great advice because I went to him and I said, how do I need to think about things differently now as a leader versus a contributor? And he said, you can't make everybody a mini you, if you will, right? You can't make everyone a mini me. And that really struck me. And it really helped me change my approach to how I met with my team for right out of the gate, you know, getting to know them, getting to understand what drove them, getting to understand their purpose and trying to align that with the organization, as opposed to coming to them and saying, hey, I run 150 miles an hour, everybody jump on the train or, or you're off. 
and building that trust, building those relationships. And that proved to be not easy, but incredibly powerful in the long run. I think given that, I was curious, you know, when we think about IntelliKey leaders pursuing their purpose, trying to achieve their own full potential, do you feel like you're on that path? Do you feel like now that you're taking this new road that you just described, is this more what's in your heart that you want to be? I don't know that I've ever been more energized in, in my career. Uh, certainly working on Wall Street provides you a particular kind of energy oftentimes comes in uh, the checking account format, uh, if you will. But I feel so much more energized now. I got a note from a client yesterday that said, you know, thank you so much for helping me think bigger, challenging me to think bigger and helping me find a valid and practical roadmap to get there. I mean, I don't know if someone can send me a better note than that to really make my day. And that really, I mean, that's, you know, that's, that is very meaningful to me and really to help see someone reach their full potential or understand what's possible, I think is just an incredibly uh, rewarding experience. Mm. I, you know, the, that is really one of the most rewarding experiences when we leave corporate and we have those, you know, hits, those moments where we know our contribution has made a difference. And I know oftentimes my clients want to know if I choose to, you know, move towards more of a purpose, more meaningful existence for myself, do I have to forego making the money as well? Right. Does my bank account have to take the hit? What would you say to people? in those situations, right? Because that's a fear. We need to support ourselves and having nice things or the means to do what we need to do for our families. You know, it, it's meaningful. What would you say in those moments? Yeah, finding that balance between purpose and uh, affording your lifestyle, is that the, what we're yes. going for here? Yes. I would tell you that if you haven't yet sat down and written on a piece of paper what those values, the, that purpose that you and your family wanna have and bring to the world, one, I would put that down and two, evaluate, you know, how much of your life and, and energy are being dedicated to those things, because it takes an enormous amount of energy to be disconnected with your purpose and your values. Mm -hmm. And I would argue there's a cost to that. And it's in losing sleep. It's in having heartburn, you know, and all of these kinds of physiological uh, impacts that have on you. And I would tell you, if you can take that passionate energy and put it into something that you really feel energetic about. You know, my life experiences told me that the money always follows and it doesn't always come right away. But if you can find that energized, energizing space in your life where you're helping others and following your passion and purpose, uh, the money tends to follow. And does your experience give you, and I'm not asking for the, the metaphysical answer, but why is that? Why does that seem to be that the more we help other people, the more it comes back? How, what's been your experience with that? You know, when I finished business school, one of my professors said, the way you really evolve and you know, have a foot in the world is go out and create an opportunity for somebody else. And you know, I've done this a number of times now. I continue to do it in coaching people every day. And they, it, I, maybe it's reciprocity, maybe it's karma. I don't know. But you know, if you, the more I help people, the more I find, find good things come back to me. I get referrals. I find new clients. I get introduced to new people these kinds of things. So I, I think it's that the, the energy you put out in the world, the positivity or negativity you put out in the world, you know, it comes back to you. And so I try to choose positive. Love that. And John, you have a chance not only uh, in developing the book, but in uh, hosting your own podcast on behalf of the New Degree Press, uh, the creator community. 
you have a chance to talk to a lot of people doing a lot of fun things. What are you hearing these days in aggregate? If you could kind of sum up some of the vibe that uh, people are working on now, especially as we move into 2020. Uh, I really like that question because that's what I think about a lot. And a big theme that's been talking that a, a number of authors are working on right now is this idea of pressing pause, slowing down, taking a moment to breathe. You know, we have been all so conditioned to run as fast as we can, as hard as we can, as all these years, mm -hmm. bigger is better, more money, faster, all these things, right? Better car, all this kind of stuff. And so more and more people are realizing mm -hmm. not only can that pause or that moment of reflection give you sort of a, a health and mental check and break, if you will, but it can have a positive impact for you because you'll start to think about things more clearly and thoughtfully and give yourself the space to align with your purpose and have a more meaningful life. And that's a big theme I'm seeing a lot around mental health. And I think this concept is very much tied to that, this concept of slowing down, which I think the pandemic has certainly caused part of that. Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I, I won't say caused it, it's revealed it. Mm -hmm. It's revealed it, <laughs> right, right. And I, I would say a lot of our social injustices as well, right? And oh, to your point, a lot of physical ailments, a lot of people are very sick. It's interesting. I was speaking with a client last night and she is a an incredible top performer at a very large technology company. And she was saying, she was, we were talking about her need to slow down, right? She's at the pinnacle of starting her family, but the need to slow down. And she couldn't believe it because somebody, her, you know, her mentor who's making half a million plus a year, right? Said, I just can't do it anymore and resigned yesterday, right? And when she asked why, he said, because my children talk to me and I'm in my phone, I'm not present, I'm not available and there's more to life, right? And I, I know in my career, I was chained to, trained to chase that half a million dollars, right? That, that $500,000 a year plus. And yet, he, you know, his, his thing was, it's not enough. And that message was just going, it's like a marble in her head right now. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? You know, and I, I think that's what you're speaking to. A lot of us are reconsidering what that looks like. Do you have any advice for those who are just coming to like, what does it mean? I do still want the lifestyle, but I know I can't keep doing what I'm doing. They just, you know, that in-between space. You know, a powerful exercise, a couple of them. One, take some time, call it meditation, call it quiet time, whatever you want to call it. Find time in your day to be amongst your thoughts. And, you know, you can do it in a formal or informal fashion. Uh, I think that's a great way to start this exercise. Another one is keep a gratitude journal. Right? Write down what makes you happy every day. What gives you pleasure? What makes you happy? What, what gives you fulfillment in life? And I think these things can really guide people in the right direction. When I left Wall Street and I was trying to figure out what my company got sold and I had a pretty good opportunity to leave and I took it. So I spent some time talking to many, many, many people. And this one woman gave me this brilliant advice. She said, if you want to figure out what to do next or what's appealing to you, she said, go immerse yourself in something and your value proposition will manifest itself. And I remember thinking, you know, what are you, Yoda? I didn't, I didn't get it at all at the time. <laughs> and as I started actually writing, I, you know, someone said, write, write a paper on leadership. So I started that. And honestly, long story short, that's what led into the book, sharing the paper, talking to people. And honestly, the last person said, you should talk to this author coach, make it a book. And that completely changed the, tra the trajectory and direction of my life uh, into leading to me where I wanted to be. And I'll never forget as I was immersing myself in this experience and networking, 
just before COVID, going out doing all these events. I was at this event, uh, a big networking event. I met this gentleman and I just started asking him questions about his business. And somewhere in the middle of it, he said, about 15 minutes in, he said, could we hire you to do that? Well, I said, do what? And he said, coach us. And I said, I've just been asking you questions. <laughs> and in fact, he saw it as coaching. And it was that was my first client, actually, ironically. Uh, but it came from me immersing myself in that experience, going out, doing what I do best, which is be curious and ask people questions and, and help guide them through that. And it's it's been a really uh, a really great and, and rewarding journey for me. Well, thanks for sharing that experience. Kirsten, I, I take away from this certainly that we can slow down, sort of refocus, look inside, but also maybe while we're doing that reflection, see who else we can help. Ask good questions of others. John's really encouraged us to maybe get out of our own head <laughs> and take a look at helping somebody else. And wouldn't that energize us and uh, give us new direction and passion too? Oh, without a doubt. And you know, the other thing, a thread that I continue to hear is listening to the people that are speaking to you along the way, right? I, I think that's one of the resounding messages that have come through. You've had a lot of mentors, right? There's been a lot of mentors, a lot of people who have dropped golden nuggets in, but you chose to listen to them, ruminate on them and then apply them, right? Application being the key. So I think too, listening to those who are around us who drop those you know, nuggets of wisdom. I, we're sort of tiptoeing around this topic, but I'll put it explicitly out there, which is you know, being a bit vulnerable and asking for help puts you in that vulnerable place. I would argue it's a, it's a position of strength. Going to someone and saying, hey, you know, here's where I am. I I don't, I'm not where I want to be. I think you can help me get there, right? If you want to figure out how to get somewhere, go ask someone who's been there, right? And I've gone and done that so many times. I mean, it's kind of ironic. My book is essentially three inflection points where I felt stuck. I went to a mentor, someone I thought was smarter than me. And I said, what would you do here if you were me? And they gave me some advice and like the uh, uh, immersion story I shared and I ran with it. And, you know, again, some people see that as a vulnerable or weakness point. I would argue it's, it's a position of strength and one that's been really helpful to me in my career. Well, and what an interesting sort of twist and irony, John, that you've shared, and that is slow down, take a moment, pause, you know, ask questions. And ironically, that will get us unstuck and move us forward faster. It's good advice, good insight. Can't I thank you enough for being there. Yeah, there you go. If you <laughs> want to work on that volume two, John, we just gave you the opening chapter. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, it's just so fun to talk to you, John. Appreciate you coming on the show. What a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Our guest has been John Saunders. He's the principal and founder of an advisory group called Forward Advisory Solutions. He's also given us insight from his interviews, coaching, and guests from his book, The Optimizer. Well, Kirsten, what a great time we've had again this episode. Thanks for coming along. And listeners, come back again next time. We'll continue our conversation with conscious leaders about how they're leading, growing, and developing their organizations with a higher purpose to their soul's potential. And that's what our podcast is all about. For Kirsten Gouldy, I'm Mark Stenson for IntelliKey Leadership Stories. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories with Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stenson. Connect with us on LinkedIn and visit our website, pureintellikey.com. I'm Jared Kajak. Join us again for our next episode of IntelliKey Leadership Stories.
This podcast is produced by BSB Media. We also host two other podcasts you might enjoy, Unlocking Your World of Creativity and Five Minutes of Peace. Subscribe today and leave a review on your favorite podcast player.